0: the Conditional Release Program, a podcast that delves into the netherworld of cults, crims and con artists. We don't like these people in its shows. We believe the best way to expose them is to hold them up to a harsh light, point our index fingers in their general direction and mock them mercilessly, take them down a peg or two until they cease to exist in any other form than the shit on our shoes. I'm Jack the Insider, otherwise known as Peter Hoisted for tax purposes.
1: And I'm Joel Hill, and today we're continuing the Worst Crim Countdown. You guys are all wondering, oh, what's going to be, what's going to be? You'll find out today. Ha (laughs) ha. We were going to cover all five last week. We hit about 45 minutes and put the brakes on because, yeah, the next two are going to take a little while to air out. They're not short stories and they have a lot of dirty laundry. And
0: and, uh, we're going to get flying into the show so we can do all of that or at least part of it, if I'm going to be mysterious. Mm. But the point is we have to Mm. keep moving. The relentless march of time and all that. And it's marching right into the Conditional Release Program's weekly news.
1: All right, and on the top, Valet. Gee, Gordon Liddy, you fucking lunatic. Watergate, Dirty Trickster are genuinely one of the weirdest units to walk this planet of ours. He died earlier this week at the age of 90. He shall not be missed by men. Uh,
0: Liddy arranged for the burglary of the Democratic National HQ at the Watergate Hotel, DC, in 1972. Uh, Liddy sat yeah. off in a hotel room while the burglary took place, providing instructions by walkie talkie. The burglars, one American and three Cuban men, were caught red-handed and little by little, piece by piece, the conspiracy unraveled and led to Nixon having to resign rather than face impeachment and conviction, which uh, was almost certain to have occurred. Uh, Liddy was sentenced to jail for eight years and served four. He stuck staunch like a good crook always does and refused to name names. His sentence was commuted by uh, President Jimmy Carter and he went on to host a popular talkback radio show, appeared on television and wrote his autobiography entitled Will, which intrigued and horrified readers in equal measure. Nixon, (laughs) who was a gibbering paranoid with a thirst for genocide, described Liddy as, and I quote, a little nuts. E. Howard Hunt, Liddy's (laughs) co-conspirator in the Watergate break-in, said of Liddy, he was a candidate for decaffeinated coffee. I love that George line. Gordon <laughs> Battle Liddy was a timid Brooklyn-born son of an Irish-Italian parents who grew up in Hoboken, New Jersey, in deep poverty, suffering from debilitating respiratory ailments. As a child, he was frightened of thunder, and in order to overcome these, this that fear, he sat up in a large tree during a huge tempest and screamed at the heavens, Take me! <laughs> He was also terrified of rats, so in order to overcome that phobia, he ate one. Maybe with a little white right. wine sauce and scalloped potatoes. Anyway, no more, no more rat phobia. Yeah. <laughs> would fre- That's one way of it. Liddy would frequently hold his hand over a naked flame, sort of party trick, to see how much pain he could handle, which turned out to be quite a lot. He was considered Boy. too fruity, even for the J. Edgar Hoover era FBI, and got the arse there and slipped easily into political black ops, which he colossally fucked up almost without exception. What is often not properly
1: understood was the extent that Nixon would go to ensure his re-election in 1972. Fucking lunatic! The suitably named "Creep" campaign to re-elect the president. Beautiful. Like, how did you not see? <laughs> Beautiful it? acronym. Not good. It's- mm. It's just bad. It was little more than a criminal conspiracy to undermine the democratic process, which, of course, we've seen recently, mm. uh, allegedly, I guess. Nixon won in 1972 carrying 49 states. He, he would have states. won anyway. That is a
0: he, he, walloping victory. He would have won without all, all, like, with all the shenanigans. He would have won comfortably.
1: It's ridiculous. Like, I mean, yeah, okay, I love a good creepers as next to as the next guy, but like, Jesus Christ. So this formed part of the document of impeachment while Nixon also faced impeachment for the so-called or secret or undeclared war bombing missions in yeah, Cambodia. Yeah, well, that was yeah, the
0: undeclared <gasps> war in Cambodia that hadn't gone through Congress, and he was uh, he probably would have got off that one. Um, but he, he would have gone down for Watergate. So Liddy's dismal... Yes, killing people's not a big Liddy's dismal incompetence in bungling a series of simple burglaries led to the fall of Nixon's presidency, with eight of Nixon's cohorts going to jail and Nixon Oof. himself only avoiding a prison term when he was pardoned by his successor, Gerald Ford. Au revoir, mm. you magnificent weirdo. They don't make dangerously unhinged zealots like G. Gordon Liddy anymore.
1: Thank fuck. They do, however, pump out some pretty good ones these days. It's, you know, the, the golden eras are not completely yeah. dead. Because over the past year or so, congressman from Florida, who was in 2016, but God, he's been a fucking pain in the ass, over so he lasted a while. By the name of Matt Yates-y. Gates, you may have seen him in the news recently, for terrible reasons, has been owning the libs by being a massive pest in fucking government. He's one of the wankers that voted to decertify the votes in Arizona on Insurrection Day, like everyone else was being a bit fucking towy about it. He's like,
0: oh, fucking yeah, man, this election was
1: stolen. So, like, he's been Trump just basically, a bit of a margar head, a bit of a Trump 2.0, you know, maybe a future candidate, a bit of a Obama for the right.
0: So, Gatesy is a huge darling of the QAnon movement because <laughs> – He's another fuckwit. And there's really not yes, that much way. else to say. He loves Trump and behaves like a huge arsehole. This is like political yeah. su- uh, sugar syrup to GOP supporters in Florida, except when they kill yeah. kids, which is apparently what old Gatesy has been up to in his spare time. Uh-oh.
1: Yeah, see, the Killed on Conspiracy Theory universe is largely based around the idea of elites being in Hollywood and in government, the trafficking children and you know for sex and to drink their blood, you know, casual stuff. <laughs> Check out the first episode if this somehow has gotten past you. Uh, but otherwise, I think you're probably across this. The thing is that the only people that fuck kids. And this is very important. Are the ones you don't like politically? Mm. Hollywood? No, it's liberal mm. Hollywood. You know the bleeding heart types, the Tom Not Hanks. People who don't like Trump. (laughs) No, not 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 Clint. He just talks to chairs. (laughs) Fucking lunatic. So if it's the government, it's the Democrats. It's full of pedophiles. The Democratic Party's full of pedophiles because we don't Mm. like them. It's not because they fuck kids. It's because we don't like them. Anyone we don't like (laughs) Fuck kids. Oh, dear.
0: But it looks like one of theirs has been hanging out around the high school playground again. Uh-oh.
1: Regular fucking behaviour from these guys. It's just sometimes they get caught. So the first hint about this may have been that he was the only person to vote against the human <laughs> tracking bill in 2017, <laughs> claiming it was an unnecessary expansion of government. He voted against the bills for reasons that make so much more sense Damn now. You, big because government. Because the bill, it was written... To get him in trouble. I mean, like, he's sitting there going, I can't vote for this. This thing's designed to jail me. (laughs) Fucking idiot. So, child trafficking is actually a bit of a loaded term over in the States. It doesn't mean exactly what it sounds like on the box. We usually think of it in that sort of Liam Neeson taken version where the kiddies are kidnapped and sold at sketchy auctions to some guy behind a veil. But gates falls into definition simply by paying for a minor a 17 year old and this is all allegedly i believe i don't think this is actually coming you know uh, anything solid so let's skirt on the the rights of defamation but apparently paying for a minor a 17 year old to cross state lines so he could have sex with yes. and that's child trafficking uh, the, i'm sorry mate that's there just are, a, there
0: are some there are some other allegations that he provided a uh, prostitute who may have been 17 to other clients. So there's your trafficking a writ large a little bit there, a little bit more too.
1: Yeah, because the prostitution thing is trafficking. If you've got any kind of underage prostitution, that is yeah, trafficking. It's, trafficking state 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 right? state it's, it's state a funny use of the term. Yeah. And these motherfuckers in QAnon, they're the ones who brought child trafficking to the sp- before. <laughs> we didn't start chattering about this. This isn't our bloody you know hill to die on. We just have people like Jack who actually help prosecute actual pedophiles as opposed to spy thriller bullshit. Anyway, the general thing is that, once again, it's only the Democrats that are pedos. What about Grandpa Biden? <laughs> well, this is the thing. Like, QAnon can't handle this shit. So the usual chatter in the usual mm. areas, because, you know, QAnon's not just, like, one big thing. It's tons of influencers and general dickheads. It's all a hoax. The Gates is being framed because he's a rising Deep star. State. He's got two close to Trump.
0: Up to their usual Deep tricks.
1: State, Democrats lefties, how could he be a pedophile because they agree with him politically? It doesn't work.
0: Yeah, Gatesy is uh, framing this as him being a generous partner who will oh, pay for the expenses critch. of his lovers because he is so fucking benevolent, which is a fairly mm-hmm. complex way mm-hmm. of saying, I fuck girls too young to be employed and their pocket money can't <laughs> afford flights to come and sleep with me. The whole thing has turned it's into mental. a great extortion attempt for $25 million from ex-Department of Justice officials, and other scallywags who are leaking information to the FBI and the press. Yeah, okay. So there's an elaborate scheme to blackmail you involving the feds and the press. You're still fucking teenagers though, are not you? Allegedly.
1: That's the thing. Well, I mean, yeah, allegedly, of course. See, adding to this, he apparently showed nude photos of the girls he was fucking to other lawmakers. Oh, nice. Like, mm. I mean, look, locker room yeah. talk is one thing, but Bit this sounds like talk. it could possibly <laughs> be child porn. How well were the girls in the photos, Maddie? <laughs> Have you got some fucking numbers for us, mate? So Gates is trying to make the fact that he fucks teenagers and throws money at them to do so as some kind of blackmail driven witch hunt. It's cancel culture oh, gone God. mad. <sighs> But the fucking thing is, dickheads on the right, especially in QAnon circles, are actually believing this line.
0: <laughs> Since uh, the scandal, further revelations of absolutely cooked behavior from Florida lawmakers is a Harry Potter themed sex game where you rack up points mm-hmm. for certain sexual conquests. You get extra points for having sex with a virgin. I wonder what old Manny's scorecard looks like.
1: Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, no, he wouldn't do that because uh, morals are uh, um, uh, something. Yeah, bank hits. What a fucking scumbag. So QAnon has never been about exposing pedophilia. Never. It's always been about using child sex abuse as a political weapon to smear their opponents. And once one of theirs is openly being fucking completely dragged over the coals for being a regular practitioner of such fucked up proclivities, well, it just has to be a conspiracy, doesn't it? It can't be one of ours. We're the good guys. Trump didn't go into the fucking locker room of teenagers at Miss America. He was just having a chat. (laughs) Fuck off. Just no.
0: Locker room locker room banter. And in other news. Just owners. At this time of the dismal anti-Semitic variety. The Australian ran with a story oh. yesterday of the awful prolonged trolling of Australian academic colleague, Moore Gilbert. And not enough for her that she was locked up for more than two years in Iran's notorious River prison and subjected to torture yes. and too many indignities to mention here over trumped-up espionage charges. Moore Gilbert has been subjected now to baseless nonsense at the quivering fingers of Tim Anderson and his Twitter account.
1: Well, I'm actually loosely affiliated with old Tim Anderson, as I did my major in political economy at UCID and while I never took one of his courses, I think he only really taught post grad and did phd supervision and stuff like that i know a lot of people who are mates of them who did do his courses and he's a very intense guy he has a thousand yard stare he loves making memes very inflammatory quite harsh ones and he really 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 doesn't fuck around when he's sticking the boot into his political enemies so i'm rather reluctant to get on his bad side I think he lives near me. So I'm going to let you run with the ball here. I'm going to let you take the death threats on this one. You know, enjoy. Uh, you can get all those weird,
0: hectic. the fuck up, Joe. Assad. Harden Fucking- up, son. Yeah, anyway, look, Anderson has accused well. Moore Gilbert <laughs> of being a Mossad agent involved in murders. The Melbourne University lecturer in Islamic studies described Anderson as, and I quote, an Iran puppet and conspiracy theory zealot fired for peddling the propaganda of regimes such as Syrian President Bashar al assads He is clearly just a mouthpiece for these regimes, Dr Moore Gilbert told The Australian. It's not just him. There's quite a few useful idiots in Western countries who are happy to deal with these guys. I honestly don't see any logical explanation for his fixation on me. That months after my release, he's still tweeting about me the same propagandistic stuff that was released by the regime. He's been told he has to promote that narrative and he's doing his job. Now, Dr. Anderson was sacked by Sydney University in 2019 after a series of misconduct findings that included posting an image that featured a nasty Nazi nasty Nazi swastika, superimposed on the Israeli flag (laughs) and sharing a photograph of one of his PhD students wearing a badge that said, death to Israel and curse the Jews. Well, I was
1: going to say, I think that's a friend of mine and I think that might have been a rough translation, but I'm going to let that go because...
0: But, uh, anyway, yeah. Yeah, you can,
1: <laughs> I hang out you in weird circles.
0: Fucking ordinary company. He also flew over. You
1: fucking hang out with circles. Also
0: flew over to Syria <laughs> for a photo op with President Bashar Assad. At more or less the same time, Assad was using chemical weapons on his own people. There is no evidence to suggest Mo Gilbert is a Mossad agent, and even less that she's a, not, she's a Zionist. She's been critical. Of Israeli policy, especially around its illegal settlements, she has not worked in Israel and has never been employed by the Israeli government.
1: Anderson is actually appealing his sacking from UCID through the federal court with the backing of the NTAU, the Education Union that basically runs UCID. They got posters everywhere, and the appeal is based on the assertion that Anderson was sacked cancel because of culture. cancel culture again. Yeah, yeah, Kylie's more, Gilbert, really doesn't seem to be on that line. Yes, well, she said,
0: I think in all universities, anti-Semitism should be a sackable offence. I mean, if you replace comments about Jews with comments about any other minority group, Muslims, African, Australians, homosexual people, she said, there would be a huge outcry about it, and there would. I don't see why making anti-Semitic remarks should be any different. It's a violation of the university's policy, policies and he's violating his employment contract by making such remarks and therefore as would i or any academic should expect that they would take disciplinary action against you now, now we wanted to bring this uh, news item to listeners to make it clear anti-semitism is not the sole purview of the hard right it exists at the other end of the spectrum uh, and in no small measure Uh, Anti-Semitism is never far away from the surface. It's been going for thousands of years and it always finds a life. And we'll call it out wherever it comes from. And now, friend of the podcast and loyal listener, Amanda Van Kempeyma has sent us one of the most bizarre pieces of conspiratorial lunacy we have ever come across.
1: Karen Brewer, who had her 15 minutes of fame when she was sued by Nationals MP Ann Webster for defamation for about, you know, $875,000 $875,000 with a judge saying that it was almost criminal level defamation. I, I I don't think that's ever happened in Australia. Basically, she claimed that Webster was running a pedophile network, and well, she's back claiming everyone runs a fucking pedophile network. It's just her thing. She just loves talking about she pedophile networks. Stop about you just, pedophiles. She just loves you them. just can't keep her down. She loves pedophiles. She fucking. She loves it. I mean, like, look, you know, it's having a common enemy is just such a great uniting factor for people who have no fucking brains. So, last believed to we've seen in New Zealand, she's attempting to orchestrate just this bizarre run on the Parliament Houses of Australia and New Zealand. And when I say houses, I mean all houses, like federal and state, like all
0: of them. Mm.
1: You know, this is a big effort. So, a lot of people. I personally think this has been ambitious. Yeah, that's a shitload of a lot fucking of people. people. How many bums I mean, on seats do you think she can pull up?
0: who can't stop thinking about pedophiles.
1: Yes, exactly. Yes.
0: Those who wake up in the morning and wonder
1: what pedophile networks are up to. So in true Brewer style, the entire thing revolves around her theory that Parliament is full of pedos. And she bases this on the idea they all went to the same schools, which are Demolay Freemason Ooh. schools. Now, I would love to explain this in more detail. I don't really get... I had a little quick look. It seems like Demolay is like some weird Freemason version of the Scouts. And the Scouts have got their own issues around kitty fiddling but this is totally different. This is claiming that all of these schools are so Somehow, magical pedophile-making fucking machines. It's just—it's just weird, deluded bullshit. So, all these pedophile networks that Brewer just creates, just invents, and in proven to be yeah. defamatory, um, are just complete bullshit. But she really runs with it because she's that deluded. So. There's a few post-private schools decided out there which are these pedophile factories that churn out these parliamentarians. And yeah, okay, there's all boys clubs. But the idea that they're all pedophiles is really, really dumb. I mean, like, I would love to say (sighs) things like, oh, Christian Porter's a pedo, but I can't because I have absolutely no basis to say that on. Doesn't stop her. Does not stop her. So according to these documents who were sent, which have since been removed from Facebook, but of course we downloaded them because they were definitely going to get removed from Facebook. They plan to march on all parliaments in state and federal across the two countries with the discipline of an Anzac Day dawn service. And they just keep on bringing Anzacs
0: into this. It's really fucking Do you reckon they've got uh, the rights to use the Anzac name? Do you reckon um, Omar Brewer's got the rights? sat down with the RSL and said... And we use the Anzac name because we got a bit of we're a little bit obsessed about pedophile networks and uh, you know, I, I wouldn't like to say that the Anzacs were pro pedophile. You know oh, Jesus Christ. Checkmate. Well, so so basically <laughs> I reckon she's the biggest problem she's got is using the Anzac name without a license to do so.
1: Well, let's see how much fucking hey, Anzac's Hey, that stuff belongs to supermarkets
0: and Yeah. It- <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, that's right. I'm sorry, but unless you're making a quick buck out of it, this is not cool. Mm. So this is all planned to be on the 31st of Not August. Anzac Day.
0: Uh, <laughs> no. Opportunity missed there. No.
1: Yeah, well, yeah, that's it. Well, I don't think it was Anzac Day. is a sitting day, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah, so this is true. it's a sitting day across all the parliaments, so that's why they're doing it. And it's a polite request to wear yellow, and I don't know why. Yellow might be some pedo colour. I don't <laughs> fucking know. At 9am, they're planning to gather 10 steps away from Parliament House, and I mean all parliaments in both countries. The I don't know how she's going to get these numbers. the beehive in because, there as well. And let's face it, like, her Call to Arms video at this time has 58 <laughs> views. And while that's, like, double most of our fucking videos, we aren't planning to occupy yeah. every parliament We're across two wearing countries. We're not yellow on
0: August 31. Oh, I never wear yellow.
1: My absolute fucking temptation to go down there and to stand there at <laughs> New South Wales Parliament. But the thing is, I have to turn up at 9 a.m. and just stand there and stare
0: at a wall for three hours before I can start walking. So,
1: anyway, we'll get to that. So... It's uh, just, it's going to get very, very silly. So how does this work?
0: So they arrive at 9am and stand there in silence for three hours, probably uncomfortable, awkward silence, staring at the cops who are we're wondering what the bloody hell they're up to. And then at noon they start this (laughs) weird, awkward, silent march. Someone is going to blow a whistle and the crowd, likely about four people, will take one step forward toward Parliament. Then, under the fairly casual request that all parliamentarians—this is both state and federal, by the way—step down, resign, step down just from their on. positions, uh, and the people will just kind of walk into parliament. You know, everyone, all the MPs. So yeah, it's a—you got us. You it's got an rights. We're we're, yep. we're we're moving out, and and the people in the otherwise silent one-step march. Uh, we'll just kind of walk into parliament in silence and then fully occupy the parliaments until their modest requests are complied with. In complete silence. The reason for the silence is apparently, and I quote Ms. Brewer here, there are no adequate words to express our disgust at who and what these treasonous bastards are. I mean, they really love the word treason, don't they? What does it even mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah? it has lost it's all just, fucking it's just meaning. A so
1: it really is. It's just like I don't like this. It's, it's treason. It's a, so yeah. they walk into parliament like a bunch of angry, soft zombies, and according to their ridiculous plan, they will remain there until all documents Bill Heffernan threw around, accusing everyone of being a pedo, unredacted, like whatever that even fucking means. And then all parliamentarians have stepped down, and all governments, <laughs> which, which, all arms of, of government, call a snap election. Oh, of course. I mean, you see the Governor-General going, oh, yeah, Brewers here. Everyone's resigned. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, we we knew this was going to happen. We were listening to the conditional release program at the time. We've been waiting for this
0: guy. Yeah.
1: Yeah, we've been stumped. So, look, the batshit levels of crazy here are just like, it's a fucking layered dip. Who the fuck is just going to stand there with this weird sense of stoicism But like, Three hours from 9am to 12, just like staring at the wall and then just start walking into Parliament House like some kind of fucking deranged zombie with all these weird thoughts of pedophiles in their heads, but no ability to say it because they're wearing yellow and they're quiet like Anzacs. So like, and then they're just going to stand in Parliament House until they're like, you know, are, you know violently arrested or more realistically, all parliamentarians step down and Bill Heffernan is vindicated as being a pedo whisperer and all of the people go to jail. So- I'm putting this date into my calendar. Yes, I'm would. fucking tempted to go down and join. My money is on it not happening at all, but it has the absolutely just beautiful signs of a complete chain wreck. Oh, it's, it's, I just want to see how far this dawn service discipline goes standing there in silence <laughs> from 9 to 12. Fuck off. I mean, these people are just nuts. I think it could, I think it could come up. Uh,
0: Trump's, uh, if, if filmed, but in time lapse. I think that could be the way to yes. go and, and really make them look yeah, like Yeah, I think moving. maybe I'll
1: put a camera down there and walk away and come back.
0: <laughs> and finally, well, early compared to everyone else, I got the jab. Uh, earlier in the week. Mm, I received the second jab of the AstraZeneca vaccine on 30th of June. It's all locked in. And and before you Mm. ask, no, I did not emit a 5G signal that can only be picked up by Chinese submarines. I did not rouse this morning in a Kafka-esque nightmare having shape-shifted to a hexapod. As far as I can tell, my DNA has not been altered into lizard form. I have not felt the need to melt the credit card purchasing Microsoft products either. Yeah, this is all shit. You uh, would say. But yeah, that's. Right. I believed I was scheduled to receive the first jab because I was fifty or more. I thought that's where we were in the rollout. So I was wrong about that. I, I was in. I, mm-hmm. I am in category one B, either seventy years or older, which I'm not, really, yep. truly not, or. presenting with an underlying health condition, which I do have. Anyway, it's done. I'm fine and no worries. Well, there are some. The AstraZeneca jab has been related to some cases of uh, thrombotic or blood clotting episodes, quite rare, um, but there is no established link yet between the vaccines, but the Germans have pulled the pin on the vaccine for people under the age of fifty, where it seems to be occurring. Abundance of caution. Uh, we are, yeah, yeah, we are dealing with a pre-existing condition that people may not be aware of. There was a reported episode of clotting in a forty-four-year-old Melbourne man, and there are other instances of it in the UK, including hospitalisations. Uh, where the AstraZeneca vaccine is the mainstay, and these cases uh, were initially described as one in a million, or possibly one in two million. The Germans believe it is closer to one in one hundred thousand. Still, pretty pretty good odds. But we know the role. uh, We know in Australia the roll out has been slow, and the Feds and the states have been pretty ordinary to date. The Morrison government had publicised the fact it would vaccinate aged care residents and staff, but that was quietly knocked on the head this week. And actually, telling uh, aged care residents to go to their GPs and organise their vaccinations that way. So another little promise that fell by the wayside. So the question is. What happens if a decision is made to limit the use of the AstraZeneca vaccine to people uh, older than 50 in Australia? So everyone younger will have to use Pfizer or something that is yet to hit the marketplace. Good. And a vaccine is being produced under licence, that's the AstraZeneca one, at CIS Laboratories in Melbourne. It's the basis for our vaccine, vaccination supply. It, it's it's Yeah. It's the plan. It's, it's the whole, yeah, it's the whole rock on which it's based. So have we got a plan yeah. B in Australia? I'm not sure that we do, and it might delay our vaccination response even further. And It's been a balls-up already just quietly.
1: And that fucking smug bastard Pete Evans is making the absolute most of it too. You'll never, never
0: surprise me, mate. Anyway, it's just so oh, fucking well, we- predictable.
1: We can't worry about that, though. We can't worry about the further prospect of COVID-19 outbreaks ravaging the country and states going into various forms of lockdown and Western Australia deciding to go it alone as a thinly valid excuse to just secede, which I fully support. (laughs) We haven't got time for that because it is time for our Deeper Dive. (laughs) Uh, Where did we get to last week? Uh, Yes, it was the uh, nasty, murderous uh, crooks. uh, Pieces of shit. Um, They're dead. They can't get me. That's really good. Uh, We named three of the worst five. Chow Hayes, Christopher Dale Flannery, and Nick the Bulgarian Radev in that order from bottom down. And now we're going to the rest.
0: Yes, uh, but before we do, Joel, I'm going to quickly talk about a few who didn't make the list before we move on to that top two,
1: the loser list. Should have murdered more. The ones,
0: (laughs) (laughs) you know, like my uh, under fourteen footy trophy. You know, best most improved crooks. You know, the (laughs) the the, (laughs) best and murderous. (laughs) And look, uh, there's one very young fellow, and he was young Paul uh PK or Paulie, uh, to his mates, was a gangster and drug dealer based in Sunshine in Melbourne's West. Now, help. Martial arts trained, dripping with human growth hormone and steroids to the point <laughs> of murderous craziness. His party right. trick was to launch a flying kick at a stop sign, you know, that you'd see at any intersection, where and he would basically just bend it in two. <laughs> uh, so a terrifying human being um, <clears throat> with a lot People of have really dreams. bad intent. God forbid that you ever <laughs> set up a, uh, a heroin uh, supply business in Sunshine. Yeah. He hated heroin deals with a passion, not out yes. of a sense of civic duty mind, just because he hated them. And oh, uh, so basically yeah. he would pull you up and either give you a horrific beating or uh or uh, or worse
1: yeah it sounds like an excuse if anything just the fact that the yes. heroin dealer is a scum. Was- i really like beating people up I'm i can a- beat a heroin dealer i'm dealers. a drug
0: dealer too yes. but i don't like that kind of drug dealer
1: yes i'm so- a party drug dealer i'm the fun guy you're the sad <laughs> guy in the corner so he
0: is probably in street fighting terms he is probably the most uh, the most terrifying uh, opponent you could possibly speak of his he, martial arts trained from the time he was about three. And, <laughs> and, and uh, uh, but, but if, if that street fight did get out, get, did get out of hand, he had his toys, a couple of nine millimeter handguns, uh, yeah. that he kept, uh, just in case, just in case, <laughs> just in case yeah. someone got lucky. And yes, it's like escalates. Yeah. He'd often made $50,000 a day, uh, uh drug dealing from his home, from his high-security home in, in West Sunshine. Why the fuck Sunshine. are we doing this? Yeah, he's making a lot of money. This uh, is
1: ridiculous. I work like a chump. Look, he, he, he
0: as a, a man in his early 20s, he's brought together a, a group of well-known lunatics that became known as the Sunshine Boys. Uh, oh, it featured Benji Veniaman, who was uh, nice, uh, yeah. a, a, a hitman... Uh, and uh, associate of Carl Williams, but but this stage yeah. Benji Benji's only fifteen, and oh, and there's it. another winner chick by the name of Dino Debra. Uh and uh, Dino Dino is said to have an IQ of around eighty, which makes good, so
1: he can spell his name.
0: Yeah, well it, he's got the it's sometimes spelt with a double A Debra, or sometimes with only one. So I think oh, so he can I think it was just you know they kept kept that second <laughs> A off for Dino's. Uh, Dino's benefit because <laughs> he wasn't terribly bright. My cat is probably smarter than, uh, than Dino. And your dog, Joel, would uh, give him a run for his money as well. Oh, yeah. yeah. But,
1: she, she sits when I say so that's good. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Occasionally. Yeah. I don't know if I Dino would
0: actually do that. Now, they're all good. <laughs> <laughs> These guys are all dead. PK Benji, of course, uh, shot famously shot dead by Mick in uh, what the courts determined was a... Um, and self defence, uh, yes. A Dino, horrific
1: skating accident. And
0: Dino Debra was shot dead. Sort of, you know, he went down like a gangster. The way he would love to have gone. a Hail of bullets outside a home uh, that he kept uh, for uh, growing marijuana. In uh, what and, a sad dream to have. Yeah, that was his. That was his dream. All of these guys, Debray um, particularly, had obsessions with movies like Scarface and uh, and The Godfather, and they kept. Yeah. You know, a paraphernalia now to Checks their now to their walls and and all that sort of stuff, and they could quote the movie Dino probably not well, but um, <laughs> but, but, but really that was their ambition to go down and a hail a bullets. You know, Sympathetic. Oh, so pathetic. But PK brought these guys together. They were Dino and Benji were went to Sunshine West Tech. Can you imagine what these guys were like at fifteen? They'd actually torturing. They're torturing uh, opponents, rivals, people they don't like in their parents' garages on the Mm weekends and then popping off to school with, you know... Hundred thousand dollars worth of gold around their necks, uh, in in the very best in the very best lifestyle. Um, yes, <laughs> sportswear, your Sunday
1: best, Adidas tracksuit. <laughs> yeah,
0: their very best active wear money can buy, and uh, and that's and, and that that was them. They, they, they sort of left school. <laughs> Dino would have gone. You know, he was. I could. Academic, the academic world was not for Dino. Um, no, no,
1: it's not for everyone. I understand that, but, uh, but sounds um, like he was an exception to any rule.
0: Yeah, so so PK Paul Kalapoulidis was was essentially the mentor of these guys, and and um and uh, was one of the most feared men in Melbourne. Uh, but his, his problem was that he taught one of his underlings. Too well, and it was Benji uh, oh, and PK. Wow. They had a falling out, but not enough for PK to allow the little Maltese killer into his high security home in West Sunshine. There's a mistake right there, PK, oh. and um, and the rest is history. With uh, PK getting a full air conditioning from multiple rounds in the head <laughs> and chest, and we know Benji <laughs> did, yeah. uh, and that uh, Paul Paul at that stage, like a lot of these gangsters uh, in their twenties, by the late twenties, he just wanted out. He just wanted out, but he couldn't get out, and so that seems smart. Yeah, he had the falling out with Benji. Benji, this little guy, was terrifying little bastard. All on his own, but PK would have thought he had his measure. Uh, he was terrifying, actually, and, and unspeakably violent. The stories of the beatings that he gave people are just remarkable. He spent a very short period in in uh, in uh, Lauden prison. Uh, in Victoria, and was beaten by two other inmates who sort of basically got the jump on him, and then he squared up with both of them, and and mm. and both of them ended up with severe spinal injuries. So Fuck. Ended up ended up basically being paralysed as a result of of coming into uh, Paul Kalapalitis. That's uh, not very nice. Orbit, and yeah, so he was just a, a, a terrifying human human being, um, mostly you know, just dripping with steroids and, and human growth hormone, you know, just dangerous. Anything could have set him off at any time. So that's yeah. Paul Callipolitis. I always just, you know, read the stories about his beatings and just go, wow, you know, that, that guy just yeah. really had a had a lust for violence. The other the, the other one I want to mention is a person who a little bit more rational, a little bit more sensible, and, and an old oh. school gangster, a former painter and doctor okay. by the name of Frederick James Mr. Cool, Mr. Cool Baisley. That and basically like was a hitman man convicted of conspiracy to murder Griffith-based uh, business, businessman Don McKay. Convicted of conspiracy to murder, like- not no. actual murder. And he refused throughout his entire life to say what happened to Don McKay, but he basically was the one who... Um, uh, murdered McKay and disposed okay. of McKay's body. Don McKay being the Griffith businessman, who was uh, becoming a problem for the uh, the, the Green Castle, um, uh. Uh, uh, Indra and boys, Calabrian mafia boys that were that were running big marijuana plantations, yeah. uh, <coughs> in in that part of the world, and uh, and so they uh, they chipped in and and basically had McK- McKay disappear. And, that, and the person who did that was was uh, Fred Basley. Um,
1: Sounds like money well spent. Uh, well.
0: Not really, because it brought an extraordinary amount of um, of, of sunlight into, into yeah. that area, and and led to you know the pursuit of people like Aussie Bob Trimboli, uh, who ended up having to flee overseas. were never captured, but basically had to had to go to places where Australia had no um, <clears throat> had no right to extradite him. So he, he lived in Ireland nice for a places, long time, though. and then died you know. in Spain. Um, yeah, see, that's not so bad. <clears <clears <throat> Uh, well, you know, um, uh, it really just did put a spotlight. It was, just, it was a really, it was really, you know, I mean, not just a, a murderous and horrible thing to do, which it was. Yes, um, it was. and the other side of that story is that. Uh, a certain Labour uh, politician started spreading around the nonsense that the mafia were, were that that, uh, that the mafia had perpetu was starting to perpetuate about Mackay that he was in that he'd had an affair with a woman, which was complete uh. lie. That man was Al Grasby, by the way, a, uh, a minister for multiculturalism in uh, the Whitlam government. Mm. And uh, he was very lucky to avoid um, p- uh, prosecution for criminal defamation. Um, yeah. But he was spreading this gossip around as a sort of distraction. Um, but one thing I can tell you for sure is that Frederick James Baisley murdered Don McKay and how he disposed of that body is anybody's guess. There are various stories uh, about uh, the body being um uh, basically disintegrated, put through a chipper, and and then yeah. uh, and then uh, put through um, uh, put through some of the plantations that these boys own. There's another one that he was uh, uh, buried. You know, been a, there been a number of attempts to find his remains. Uh, that he was, and, and the most recent one was uh, New South Wales police excavated a big site uh, just outside Griffith and and uh, found nothing. Um, yeah, he may well have ended up in the Murray River or the Murrumbidgee, uh, who knows, but um, but certainly Basley did it and Basley, like an old school crook, remained tight-lipped, would not say yep. a thing. Um, he, he started off as a gunman uh, in, in Billy the Texan. Uh, Longley's former uh, 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 sorry in, in Billy the Texan Longley's uh, painter and docker group and uh, and this was during the painter and docker wars where guns were always drawn during an election and um, and, and, uh, and, and 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 you know and, and shots fired all the time so the, 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 his last known episode of gun violence for the painters and dockers uh, saw a ballot box uh, being stolen, uh, you know, so basically the ballot box could be manipulated so uh, the right people could be appointed as office bearers for the union and Baisley and Longley were 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 involved in a shootout with this other group uh, and, and it seems that Baisley at this stage decided that being a gunman in the Painters and Dockers was a, the sort of career that could end very abruptly. So he walked yes. away from that and basically he, um, he, he he became a hitman. His other major job, this is a really odd story, It's the murder of drug, drug uh, couriers, Doug and Isabel Wilson, uh, who decided to, that they were going to leave the Mr Asia Drug Syndicate uh, run by Terence Clark, sometimes known as Terry Terence Sinclair, uh, the New Zealand head of the Mister Asia Drug Syndicate, an extremely violent man himself, uh, and uh, they wanted to go out, and wanted to leave, uh, basically his his control without permission, and that and so that led to uh, Terence Clark uh, offering Baisley uh, a sum of money um, uh, to uh, to to murder Doug and Isabel Wilson um, in 1986. Baisley was sentenced to life in prison over the double murder. Of, uh, of 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 uh, of the couple, uh, their bodies were found buried in Rye on Melbourne's Morning, Mornington Peninsula in May 1979. But he's the he's the odd card of that story because he he was actually told that they had a dog Taj, and the dog had to be killed as well. But um, uh, Fred Baisley was not he was a dog lover, you know, and he's a former uh, poodle breeder. Um, Poodles, okay. So when it came to murdering Doug, Doug and Isabel Wilson, no worries, you know, two in the brain, but he couldn't kill a dog. Uh, yeah, it's and- like
1: in movies when the dog dies and everyone <laughs> cries. And the people are there lying, staring blankly with their brains out, they're like, Oh no, no, you're fine. but so no, the he, dog is very sad.
0: So he murders the Wilsons, buries them in a grave in Rye, but decides he just take the dog with him and and <laughs> and drives back to Melbourne with little paparrhant dancing <laughs> around in the back dancing <laughs> <laughs> around in the back and just lets him out in Brunswick. Basically had you get there and off <laughs> little dog. And of course the, the, the dog basically led to the trail. You know, the led to the trail of the of the missing Doug and Isabel Wilson. And yep. and ultimately led to his conviction. So basically, um Baisley was uh convicted because he just couldn't kill a dog. And you'd have to say, you know, good on him. Um probably shouldn't have yeah. murdered those two people either for money, oh, okay. but, but good on him yeah. good on you for not... Uh, for not murdering that, uh, for not killing that dog, but... He'd be
1: the hero of the film.
0: Well, yeah, but, you know, and that's why he doesn't get into our top five, of course, uh, jail because... Bleeding <laughs> heart. Really, you know, if you were Chris Flannery or Ch- well, Chow Hayes, Chow Hayes would have killed a dog just for practice, um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, just to keep his arm in. So that's why, like uh, why uh, Baisley doesn't m- make our top five. And so we come to our number two, uh, and I know people are wondering who that would be. Well, it's there's been it, some good guesses. It's there have been some very good guesses, and I've seen them. Uh, yeah, and uh, I think we've got a few that are very right, and, and that is Stan, the man, or Stoner, sometimes called Stoner Smith. And what makes a good crook? I mean, how do we judge what a successful crook is? If, if we were going to uh, put our list together on who was the most successful crook, Stan would win it hands down. Ah.
1: And and we
0: judge this by, by saying how how rarely you spend time in jail. Uh, and Stan spent, I think, three months in his in his adult life, three months in jail. Uh, and that was over a marijuana and amphetamine possession rap in Victoria uh, that he decided to serve at his own leisure, um, and uh, and that was it. You know, so so uh, when we look at you know some of these other crooks, they're in and out of jail. Stan, three three months total as an adult, yeah. and or well, the other thing that we measure measure a successful crook from because most of them you see end up in a you know, public housing. You know, with drug and alcohol problems. Stan Smith dies with twenty with a with a with a lump sum in investment under investment of twenty five million dollars. Right? So, yeah. So he has been successful. By that's any, not bad. By any measure. <coughs> he,
1: yeah. And by contrast, like Chow Hay spent a shitload of time in jail. Chow, oh, just
0: Chow is in and out of jail all the time. Six months here, twelve months there. Uh, all you know, insignificant. Period. On the list of being violent, but and, he wasn't successful. And then, was of a fucking course, loser. the murder—the the murder of Bobby Lee. But, but yeah. So, so Stan hardly spends any time. He, he interestingly, he does uh, go to a a, a, a youth prison, uh, and he's likely to have been certainly violently abused and possibly Monster sexually factory. abused. He was a yeah. child of the depression. Uh, grew up in Balmain, um Yeah, in, you know, in what was. Then a strictly working class suburb, that, not anymore. No,
1: God, no, God, no. Oh, would you like a latte with your you latte? Need sort of
0: Stan Smith money, just to just to get in there. <laughs> um, in the backyard, a uh, well, that you know, he it did, it did make a lot of money out of real estate, but um,
1: yeah, well, I mean, if you have invested in fucking main
0: he was basically brought under the wing of Len McPherson, and so Len Len was a, an emerging. Uh, a, a, a bigwig, and and yeah. Stan sort of was under his wing, and and I would use Stan because he was the most violent human being in the room, capable of <laughs> extraordinary violence. <laughs> McPherson ahead. was involved in a lot of brothels early on, so uh, they tell stories about how, you know how, how Stan had just weighed into a brothel and start belting women around. He there's a story that he hung a woman from from uh, the fourth floor of a fourth floor oh. window by her legs and so forth. You know, with Lenny McPherson walking in behind him, throwing money around saying that's for your medical bills, <laughs> that's for your medical oh, bills. The Stan had off. this in, innate rage. As he as he gets older, he he uh uh, it starts to ameliorate. It, it starts to diminish. And, and there were, I, I saw sort of testimonies from women about, oh, he was a lovely man, Stan. He was a lovely oh. man. He was a ladies' man. You know, so, so clearly he had changed. He, he married his his wife, uh, he was married to his wife for fifty years before he. Shit. Death. So, so well, married
1: as in you know, married, I suppose. Well, he he does he brooding around
0: and and she towards the end of his life was suffering from severe dementia, and um and 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 that leads us into you know, uh, Stan's death because um uh he um he did some very strange things before he died, but but before we before we do that. We need to look at just basically what he was involved in. So he, yep. Stan Smith was involved in fifteen murders. He was the most successful hitman. People don't even know who he is, and he was involved in yeah. fifteen murders, twenty-five shooting incidents, and again, three months in prison. So you know, that, yeah, that that tells you that tells you basically every everything. And as um, as the years went by. Uh, that group, essentially the McPherson, later uh, George Freeman was added to it. No one as the team would use Stan as as their muscle. I mean, he was part of that triumvirate, but it, it, yeah. he was the one who get the murders done. He was the one who who would who would who would be called in to dispose of the lunatics. Um, and uh, and Chris Flannery is almost certainly one of them. It's never been. Determined, but it is my strong belief that Stan Smith was murdered in George Freeman's house on and around May nine nineteen eighty five, and they would use Smith because Smith was the was the was the cool guy who 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 basically wouldn't panic, who wouldn't uh, who wouldn't freeze uh, when they saw you know when they, when they looked into Chris Flannery's baby blues, you know some some of the other men might have wavered, but but not Stan. Yeah. And we know yeah. that because he committed a murder in 1971, sorry, I think it was 1972, of Stuart John Regan, the magician, the man who used to make people disappear, an entirely <laughs> unpleasant piece of work, and, um, and a child murderer as well. Um, the stories about him are horrific. Uh, and, and he was a pimp, um, a very violent pimp, um, uh, who was making a, a big name for himself in the Sydney scene. And so the team, the team, basically the triumvirate of Stan Smith, Len McPherson, and George Freeman, decided that you know they were they were going to deal with him, you know, and they and they did this by bringing him close. They said, "Hey, why don't you come and join us? We're impressed. <laughs> we're really impressed with your work." Yeah, uh, they, they had, had a, a flasher everywhere. They had a meeting with Regan. and. Uh, where Len McPherson was present, and uh, another another member of the team, very senior member of that team, Fred Paddles Anderson, was also there. And oh, yes. uh, and they said, well, you know, as I say, we love your work. We want you to come and join us. We think you're going add to add to this, and we want to show you the, the the illegal gaming business, the casino business. George is just down the road, so why don't you go and meet George? And so they went outside this pub... <coughs> Uh, this pub in Marrickville. And, uh, and, and sure enough, there was George Freeman, you know, 200 meters down the road waving and, uh, and, and along. So, so she's going to go and meet, go and meet George. She's going to show you all about the casino business. And oh, Stuart good. John Regan, this absolute lunatic who used to always wear a, a bulletproof vest, but wasn't this day. Um, oh. and, and, and a gunman and a, and a man who used to make people disappear. Uh, he was completely conned into this and he walked up and he met George Freeman, and George Freeman shook his hand and said, on, it's good to meet you, Stuart. Let's go Let's go and uh, let us go. And let me go and show you the casino business. So they walked another 20, 25 metres, and standing in the shop front and hiding away in the shop front was Stan Smith, who came forward and shot Stuart John Regan dead and then handed Freeman the gun, uh, and so Freeman put a couple in him as well. So they could always – they did this. It's it's kind of a ritual, but it's, but it's more like – you put, I put some bullets into him, you put some bullets into him, that means we're all equally guilty and no one's going yeah. to give the other one up. So, that, so yep. that's – but, again, it's instructive as to why they used Stan Smith to, do, to do, do away with Stuart John Regan, who was an incredibly violent, dangerous human being. And it was Stan Smith that did that, and that's what that's what leads me to believe that Chris Flannery, who was completely out of control in 1985, was yeah. was was led to um, Freeman's house. There were a number in his in his downstairs bar. There were a number of little hidey hole places that uh, Stan Smith uh, could have uh, could have concealed himself in, and he just came forward with an automatic weapon and went bang 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 bang. bang, bang. See you later, Chris, and they rolled up yeah. the carpets and and um and and put uh, the rolled up the carpets and 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 with Flannery in them and took him out took him out in the water and dumped his body there that's that's the that's the most plausible theory a number of senior police say that it could have been McPherson i don't who pulled the trigger on flannery i don't buy it only because by this stage mcpherson the gang war is sort of out of control. Flannery's out of control. McPherson's a very, very edgy character. He's yeah. walking the carpet thin. Uh, in his Gladesville home, uh, yeah, peering figured, out through yeah. the Venetians and taking yeah. down numbers of cars that he that he looks thinks are a bit suspicious.
1: Pacing around. That's
0: not the guy who's going to come forward out of the nah. out of the cupboard and go bang 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 to Chris Flannery. That's got to be Stan Smith. He yep. spent a lot of time overseas, Stan Smith, and <clears throat> he made mafia connections, particularly with the Chicago mob spent a lot of time in Vegas where the Chicago mob were 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 heavy on the ground and and they they seem to love him <laughs> they, they really, you know he'd stand and be a, a pretty basic guy let's school at 11 right but but you know he'd tell stories of of incredible uh, of incredible Australian gangland violence and and the mob, the mob just seemed to lap it all up
1: yeah. um,
0: so they love Australians
1: yeah. over there too we're a gimmick so you know. Mm. You become a cartoon character, like a comic book feature. Yeah, tell us, know, another,
0: love tell us another story, Stan. Tell us another story, you know.
1: Yeah, tell us about how you ride kangaroos to
0: school. Well, no, it would be – tell us about that time you – You murdered, <laughs> murdered pretty boy Walker. And tell us about that yeah. time, you know, you knocked off Stuart John Reagan. You know, and so she had a million stories. I love
1: this podcast.
0: And, and, so, and so, you know, he spent large, uh, large amounts of time um, – in, in the States um, uh, with, you know, with La Cosa Nostra, with the, with the Sicilian Mafia. Um, he was, unlike Freeman and McPherson, we're going to briefly touch on this, he he, he decided, and he was very smart, he, he realised that there was money to be made in drugs. Freeman and yeah. McPherson wouldn't go anywhere near it, and indeed they had arguments with Smith about it. But Smith kept it very quiet for the most part it was marijuana importations from from Thailand and the Philippines coming into Australia and and sometimes um, uh, local plantations in the Sunshine Coast hinterland. Um, They were very clever about things. They used couriers. They used a prominent courier's uh, um, uh, signage on vehicles. Uh, yeah. uh, to to move drugs all around the place, he was watched. Watched. Uh, Stan was watched by the National Crime Authority, and they, you know, the police that I've spoken to was seconded there. So you'd see this character come in, you know, a baseball cap, sunglasses, and and then he'd sort of wander around and then he'd disappear. And we couldn't ever really quite identify him. We know he was there. It, you know, the, the keys would be left on the wheel of the. Well, the van, and 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 then he got, then he'd be gone. Yeah. Um, so he was moving a lot of marijuana around, and this leads to his one and only <laughs> spell in jail as a as a, as an adult. Oh, that's uh, right. He's yeah. actually managing um, rock bands. This is you know, nineteen thirties character <laughs> from depression. He's he's managing rock bands because he realised, he's a very smart guy. Right. He, he he realizes that the best way of moving dope around is to is to make contacts in, shall we say, the arts. Um, in the arts because yeah. they're going to move a lot of weight around for him. And so, yeah. yeah, so so the only time he gets pinched, he's actually managing, he's the tour manager of a Canadian band of and I can't remember the name of them they they were they were, they were not a big band but they did a tour in a tour of Australia and 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 Stan was on the plane with them from Sydney to Melbourne and and um and they found I think an ounce of hash and a very small amount of amphetamines on um on Stan and that's what he was charged with and uh was ultimately given a 3 month jail term um basically didn't turn up didn't turn up for, you know. Didn't turn up for to, to serve his time for a long time. There were warrants outstanding for his arrest. He was wandering around New South Wales and Queensland like he owned the joint, uh, and, and in touch with police all the time and, and so forth. But no one ever bothered to say, "Hey, you know, stand there's a warrant outstanding, and we're you know we're, we're duty bound to arrest you on the spot." Yeah. He just wandered down. Uh, he just wandered down in the seventies to um, uh, to Melbourne and said, "Right, I'll come and come and do my time," and did his three months then. Uh, his son, this really does need telling, his son was, his eldest son was a heroin addict and uh, this was the bane of, uh, of Stan's existence and he tried desperately to get his son into rehab and uh, did it unsuccessfully on, on, on three occasions. The boy just left and he continued to use drugs and then one day overdosed and died. So Stan's eldest son has died of a heroin addiction now, this is every kind of father's, every dad fantasy, right? But Stan's able to pull it off. He finds yeah. out who sold the heroin to his son. He's a North, he was a, it was a drug dealer on Sydney North Shore, and he agrees to meet this guy off the Wake uh, Wake Wakefield uh, no, Wake, Parkway. Yeah, Wakehurst Parkway. Sorry, thank you yeah. off the Wakehurst Parkway, a, uh, and and uh, and basically kills him. He murders him. Um, most of the time, Stan Gangland killings it'd be shots fired, but this time it was basically he ran over him three or four times and left him, uh, left him to die, um, and that was just straight out retribution for killing his son. Towards the end of his life, this is the other thing: there should be movies made about Stan Smith because he was just an extraordinary character. He was. I only saw him once, and that was in, in a in a in a boozer in uh, Double Bay, the Royal Lake Hotel, and yeah, he walked in right, there yeah. with his with his baseball cap and sunglasses. And everyone stood sort of, up, you know, and there were all these sort of duckers and dodgers in the joint moving bit of stolen gear and bookies and SPs and stuff. And and everyone sits up straight. It was like the principal had walked into the classroom, you know, everyone sits <laughs> up straight. Oh, it stands for me, it stands for me And all I noticed was this kind of shadowy character, uh, with a baseball cap and sunglasses on, walk in and then walk out of the place. And that and that was that. But he yeah. he, he was he, he in the in the criminal milieu he was the top of the tree everyone was everyone was scared of him everyone yeah. even Rogerson was scared of him and and Rogerson was scared of no one because you know he was a cop but yeah. stan stan was just capable of 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 making or <laughs> terminating your life no matter who you were he died in 2010 <laughs> he died completely un, untouched by law enforcement but before he died he had the most extraordinary experience and it was conversion to christianity pentecostal christianity oh the good one and so it seemed it, it was it was entirely sincere it wasn't like a you know a prison cell conversion where you you know yeah, so i yeah. found god so i can you can you take Get 5 parole, years off sort of my thing. sentence yeah yeah um it was a genuine conversion. He he would go and uh, he would spend one night a week feeding the homeless. He would spend another another day letterboxing people and knocking on doors and wanting to talk to them about God, which is a terrifying experience when you think about. It. If you're sitting at home, Stan Smith <laughs> knocks on your door <laughs> and wants to talk to you about God. Uh, um, there are there are wonderful stories of young crooks, all basically seeking his approbation for, for a criminal enterprise or other, uh, you know, for, for their particular criminal enterprise and, and knocking on Stan's door. He lived. Uh, he lived not far away from where you grew up, by the way. By the way, Joel, uh, down the beaches. Yeah, he lived in while for a while, uh, but he still called Balmain home. But anyway, people, you know, young young crooks with a with a with a scam or an enterprise uh, in mind would knock on their door and seek his approval for because because if he provides his approval, it it really adds to it, and so these young crooks would come in and and stand and say, okay. Well, let's get on our knees and pray to God for, for <laughs> the success for the success of this venture. So you'd have Criminal these sort venture. Of heavily tattooed fuck knuckles and uh, and they'd be on their knees at Stan's place, um, basically praying to praying to Jesus uh, for the, that they can, for you know, their success, can pull this off. For, yeah, for, they're able to pull this off, and, and so ridiculous. it was it was a sincere thing. As I say, he, he had. Um, and this is according to senior police um, estimates, you know, his, his assets were worth about $25 million. And he and he knows he has to deal something, something with this. He has one son left who's considered a bit of a run to the litter.
1: <laughs> a bit of an Eric Trump. He has to provide for
0: him, uh, <laughs> a bit of Eric maybe, um, and, his, and his wife has got advanced dementia by that stage, so she needs to be taken care of. Uh, but neither of these people he, he regarded as being um, proper to or appropriate to be executors of his estate. So he pulls up the pastor of this, um, uh, 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 he pulls up an individual within the, within the church that he attends and makes him yeah. the executor of the estate. Then Stan dies in his own bed uh, with a smile on his face in January 2010, and that 25 million dollars. I, I I believe in having spoken to police about this uh some was set aside for the son, but the son would not have known how much money was there yeah yeah and 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 clearly his wife uh did not know how much money was there and and she needed to be care uh, to, to be provided care so I, yeah. I, I believe some money was set aside for them, but the rest of it disappeared, yeah. Uh, and we're not quite sure. Well, I do have a couple of theories, but um, but um,
1: yes. let's let's not commit defamation today.
0: Yeah, let's not do that. But yes, but but um, but but Stan died with, with uh, an with an estate of twenty five million dollars, having spent just three months in jail and having been yep. responsible for fifteen murders and 25 shooting incidents. So he is clearly our number two.
1: And at the end of the day, it went to God.
0: And we've run out of time. So we'll tell you our number one baddie, the worst piece of work imaginable, next week. Bastard. (laughs) Ah, The suspense must be killing you, which ironically, this man did Rather a lot of as well. He did a lot of killing. (laughs) uh, But we need to to devote an entire segment to him and give you the inside running on the man who, to my mind at least, is the most violent, cold-blooded murderer in this country's history. Good Lord. Stop your groaning, listeners. We'll get to it next week. Uh, And uh, speaking of disappointments, I think that's your line.
1: Yes, it is. Uh, Speaking of disappointments, here comes Eric. Uh, A good-looking boy doesn't need to be able to string a sentence together. It's just not necessary. It does help, though. (laughs) Clinging to relevance once your non-existent role in politics has come to an end is a bit of an art form, and Eric knows how to paint it. He just turns up to random television studios and asks the front desk for some food. (laughs) Next thing you know, he's in makeup, ready to fuck up yet another pointless interview. What do you want to know from him? He has nothing to say. Jesus fucking Christ, Eric. Just keep it to yourself. Nobody gives a shit. You're just like a A bastard on
0: on Father's Father's Day. Day. Worrying news this week for Eric Trump Fans, uh, Eric Trump Idiot, far son of the 45th President Of the United States, suffer of More skin abnormalities than the entire Population of Canada Combined, and good looking boy Is, and I quote Heartbroken Aww. It's heartbreaking listeners to see how heartbroken Eric is, and I just hope the crippling Emotional pain he's experiencing Right now doesn't turn To anger at some point We all know mm. But Eric can't get angry. The last time he got angry was when his dad, love you, love dad, dad, lost that election. He was supposed to win and did win, but didn't win, but did. And yes. now Eric's but really did. not sure how it all works. But then someone explained yes. to him he'd have to catch commercial aircraft from now on. And he became Aww. very angry. Injustice. And all that pent-up rage came out, just exploded all over Eric. And his scrotum was covered in hives. I did manage to catch a glimpse of it at the time, and it looked very swollen, very, very painful, very red, very red. I guess we could say it's a good thing that Eric is heartbroken, just really sad and crying quite a lot. Now, while he keeps crying and all that mucus comes out of his nose and ears, he should be able to keep himself in check. Listeners, the problem started when Eric, who was a good-looking boy, turned up on the Fox Business channel. Yeah, he's not allowed on the main Fox News channel anymore. (laughs) Not since he went in the Sean Hannity's dressing room. It's a small room and Eric thought it was a toilet. It was a genuine mistake, but they won't have him back. So he has to go to Fox Business if he wants to get on the tally and smile and look at himself in the monitors. Anyway, host Maria Bartiromo said, it's worth noting that Biden spent this weekend in Delaware, his fifth trip home since becoming president. That's his sixth weekend away from the White House. We're not even 100 days in, Romo said. Your reaction to this, <laughs> to this, Eric? And Eric said, I don't even know where to begin. And no, then, you don't. <laughs> which is how he answers a lot of the questions. And then he did know where to yeah. begin. And it was with Eric being really, really sad. It's heartbreaking, listeners. Eric said, first of all, Maria, it's heartbreaking to us. There you go. He just came right out and said it. I saw how much time and effort my father put into the job. I mean, Biden is saying, well, I'm not going to go down there because I don't want to inconvenience the Secret Service. And then you look at Kamala Harris, who's standing in front of literally Air Force Two in that last picture, well, you have the got the greatest ecosystem. What? Bit of a fucking word salad there uh, from Eric, but uh, <laughs> he meant he meant well, mean, well. You see, a lot of listeners will be scratching Dugas their cloak. heads, <laughs> not just at the word salad, but uh, well, Eric Eric scratches his head a lot too because he does have lice. But still, it sounds confusing <laughs> because everyone knows Eric's dad. Love, love you dad. dad as a shiftless lazy dumb fuck who's flat out getting out of bed before the crack of 10 and even when he does he parks himself on the couch watching Fox News and OANN, usually with a bag of the chicken and that's pretty yep. much a typical day for president trump when he was president mm-hmm. and that's uh, what people yes. think but it's not what eric knows because he knows da- his dad love, love you dad, dad. It's very busy because he's hitting Eric pretty much solidly in the daylight hours, pretty much on the air every hour, and sometimes they're going to last for an hour, night times. But Donald prefers to sink the slipper. Busy work. just, you know, gives his arms a bit of a rest. Anyway, you've all been bad. It makes Donald mad, and now Eric is sad. (laughs) I'm heartbroken, (laughs) listeners. It's like hyenas are tearing away my left ventricle. Poor, sad Eric. Poor, sad, stupid Eric. Well, we can't worry about that now. We can't waste that time worrying about Eric's terrifying descent into psychological injury. We can't give fuck one about Eric's increasingly shaky grasp on sanity because now it's time for this. The segment of the program described by Prime Minister for Women, Maurice Payne, as get out of my office or I'll call the police. It's time for The Week in Pete Evans.
1: I mean, look, the police are in on it. I'm going to have a wank on this office whether you like it or not. It's just the way it is. I mean, <laughs> just stop resisting. So, look, I wouldn't say it's been a big week in Pete Evans. It's been fairly quiet. He hasn't really had the same stunts. He met up with some guys on the OSTF. I don't, no, I don't want to that talk, talk about that. That's too horrible. Too yeah. hot. Too hot. It's not my spot. White fella, black fella issues, not going to do it. Uh, you know, he can be a shameless piece of shit who's hitching yeah. himself to a sovereign citizen outfit exploiting young yeah. black fellas for fucking because ridiculous political gain. But hey, what doing. Yeah, anyway. That's exactly what he's fucking doing. Anyway. Not going near it, leaving it alone. His telegram, which is his main source of communication <laughs> with the outside world now that everyone else no. has cut him off, has just been non-stop anti-vax nonsense. He's been absolutely galvanised by the whole blood clot issue that surrounds the AstraZeneca shot, and he just keeps posting these shitty clickbait headlines to the mainstream media, which he apparently fucking hates so much until they agree <laughs> with him, and trying to convince that his flock that you know the A Z shot will result in a platelet count resembling the number of brain cells he has left, which is after his last ketamine. And binge About not three. very many three, I think. it's a good way to take you out though if you're <laughs> gonna do it do it with style do it with ketamine so it's frustrating to watch and like it seems he even knows the blood clot thing is a bit of a nothing burger but like me personally as we were discussing before i'm alert but not alarmed i'm open to what the regulators think when it comes to the az jab i think the experts do have our best interests at heart although they sometimes balance profit but for the most part we should listen to what they have to say because they're punching numbers that we just don't have. Pete, however, needs everyone to be scared shitless. (laughs) His entire fucking thing relies on everyone being fully in fear mode. Mm. So instead of just saying, Hey, look, this is alarming. And then, you know, discussing the situation, he just goes on to then double down the blood clot, blood clot thing and lie about how the jab will make you infertile, baseless, lead to autoimmune diseases, baseless, give you cancer, completely completely baseless and then eventually kill you just baseless just nonsense you've already got the blood clots just discuss them stick to your fucking lane like why can't reality just be enough for you why can't you just take the things that are actually happening and use them as a way of studying conversation as opposed to having to make everything go to 11 you're a fucking dick so Paint's entire gimmick, it just runs on fear. He has this absurd militaristic view of politics where everything is a fucking war. Everything's going to kill you, except for, of course, his expensive water filters, which he sells at a small discount if you use the stuff. If if you buy 12 code. code. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you surround yourself with them, the fucking (laughs) battalion. So keeping his sheep in a perpetual state of shock and fear and awe is the way a grifter like Pete finds their market. This is the way all his mates do, David Avocado Wolf. They're all so into this. Scare the shit out of them and then sell them the thing that will make it all better. But he actually isn't really very good at it. He's just not very clever. Uh, Like, you know, his grift is really piss weak. Watch David Avocado Wolf, for a fucking master of the art (laughs) of this stuff. I... Doom scroll this idiot's Telegram post, and I watch all the ridiculous comments from gullible roobs and the countless posts from bots that are just automating this propaganda war to make these people feel like they're on the right side of history. And it's just fucking torture sometimes. Just watching this, it's just. Like so fucking pointless. It just feels like a treadmill, an intellectual treadmill. And a lot of the people this con artist has just thrown into this pit of anxiety. And they're kind of nice people. I mean, except for the ones that are obviously Nazis who say shit about Goyims and Jews and shit like that, and they use the Cabal a lot. There is a bit of that as well. And uh, Pete
0: deletes a lot of comments on his Telegram. Oh, Doesn't
1: delete those ones though. He's not Doesn't good with delete criticism. those.
0: How you gonna? How you gonna? How's he gonna get on this? How's he gonna get on the Senate? when he's now good at criticism. He's not going to do well. He's going to have to deal with people whose name's Frydenberg. <laughs> he's not
1: going to like that. He's just not going to like that. Like, I mean, I'm sorry. He is going to struggle. So, look, I'm sure people do something hilarious soon, but this week it's just been celebrating those who've become ill with blood clots after receiving a vaccine and generally just being a fucking lying, fear-mongering <laughs> prick. And, of course... Trying to sell expensive water filters.
0: Got to sell those water filters. Gotta
1: sell them. Got a grift. Got a grift. Got a grift. You're your listening
0: to the conditional release program with your host Jack the Insider and Joel Hill. If you haven't already, hit the subscribe button. And if you've enjoyed our bullshit, throw us a five star review on your podcast app. Do it
1: now. Jack can be found on Twitter on at Jack the Insider and Joel on at Crunchy Moses with a K. We set up a Facebook page. We've also got a shitposting posting group where you can post interesting articles and stuff like that. Have a few like-minded people talk. Hopefully we'll get infiltrated by red pill lunatics and have some real fun though. But you know, so far it's all very yes men. Now, this is the call to yes. action. It's just it's it's pathetic. It's more and more pathetic every week. Please share this podcast with your friends, even if you don't like them. Actually, no, even better, share this with people really, you don't like. Torture them. Idea. Make them endure the pain of a countdown that never, never fucking ends. You. Because. Exactly, and you know what? Maybe you don't want them to. They'll block you after you do it, but it'll increase our numbers and, you know, at the end of the day, we still haven't got our first death threat, so, I mean, if we can really, like, push that process along, that would be Well, I'm
0: very hopeful about Tim Anderson this week. But anyway, (laughs) and finally, all feedback tips and death threats should be sent to the conditional life program at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you, even if you just want to grab us by our throats and tell us to hurry the fuck up and finish the crime list for fuck's sake.
1: Hurry the fuck. it's
0: it's a fair criticism. Thanks, it's listen. fair.
1: See you later, guys. You later. Catch you then. Bye.